There tends to be a lot of doom and gloom about menopause. There are opportunities in menopause, and I think that's something that we've, we do need to voice that a bit more in terms of realising that this is a whole new chapter. There's a lot of good things that happen. That's Catherine O'Keefe, Ireland's first menopause coach. Known for her TEDx talk on the same subject, perimenopause took Catherine by surprise on a weekend away with the girls at age 44 and so followed a journey to truly understand this stage in women's life that just wasn't getting talked about enough for far too long. Now Catherine introduces this idea of menopause as an opportunity to assess life and what it can mean for us. We talk symptoms, shame, cultural differences and more. I hope you enjoy. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. I thought it was time that we talked about a topic that's really important for us as women and really important for the men in our lives also, and a perspective around entrepreneurship and menopause. So we're going to have that menopause conversation. And when I looked around to see who would be the best person to speak to about this. Just one name kept coming up. So I had to reach out to the lovely Catherine O'Keefe. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for coming. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. (laughs) So I thought a really good way to start the conversation might be you had a how I when I was doing my kind of research into who to speak to in this topic, uh, you did a TEDx talk and like it, it's tough. Like, so maybe you can share that story that you did in the TEDx talk. Yeah, so that was um, a lot of thought went into what I was going to talk about in those couple of minutes, right? Because you're obviously down to the wire. So I really wanted to, to deliver something that I felt would help other people. And so mm. I shared two of my personal stories that happened me. And I guess the 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 one that uh, really, res- well, they both resonated with thousands of people, but the one was about, I was away with some friends of mine in college, uh, from college, we went away for a weekend to um, Copenhagen to the Christmas markets and as you can imagine it was Baltic right so we went the end of November beginning of December and we went out for dinner on the first or second night I can't remember first night I think it was and I'd felt a little bit of spotting I'd had a tiny bit of spotting and kind of thought a period was coming on you know I wasn't thinking too much about it but I sat in that restaurant and, you know, we were all chatting away, eating away or whatever. And then all of a sudden I just felt this unease. Like that's the only way I can describe it because my whole kind of pelvic area just, just there was something going on. <laughs> I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't quite sure what. And the next thing anyway, I had what's called a flooding episode. And that is where your period comes on very intensely in the, in literally it can just happen in minutes. 
So I literally I had never heard of this until I listened to your TEDx. Common. It is common. And I think it's it's one of those things that until someone says it to you, you won't you won't feel like sharing it because the number of people who've come up to me and say, I watched your TEDx, that happened to me. And the number of women I've met, Fanola, who's it's happened at work. I met, I, I've met so many women who will tell me they've been at meetings, they've gotten up and maybe a colleague has tapped them on the shoulder or something or other. They felt it themselves. And that's really difficult at work. So like I left that restaurant like it was Baltic, absolutely Baltic. And I left the restaurant like with a skimpy top on me, I, my jacket had to put around my waist because just to cover myself. So it was um, it was the start of perimenopause. I was 44 at the time. I had heard of the term uh, perimenopause. I knew, you know, what, what it was about, but I just didn't expect it. Even for me, who, who had a bit of insight, I still kind of thought, ah, oh, sure, this isn't good. You know, this doesn't really happen until you're in your 50s. And that was, if you think back then, that was 2014, nobody was talking about perimenopause, nobody. Um, uh, there was very little rumblings about it at that stage, um, you know, and it wasn't in the media, it wasn't as openly discussed, thankfully, as, as it is now. So I guess that was the start. And it's funny, you know, I came back to Ireland, I went to my doctor, I had scans done, there was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> there was nothing. They were having scans done? Be- okay, I had wow. scans done because I had said, look, case. this had never happened to me before. Yeah. And it was, there was nothing, you know, whether it was fibroids, whether it was, could be anything, it could be a number yeah. of things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with me other than I was starting perimenopause and I was, the, the symptoms were all starting to kick in. You know, the heavy periods, the brain fog then was the next piece, uh, which I talk about in the TEDx. And that was really, you know, I was a director in investment banking and the start of that brain fog was really unnerving in my career. And it was also kind of for someone who was, I was always very confident. I was always very used to speaking in front of people and things like that. But all of a sudden I'd start to forget details. I'd start to forget information. And that has a huge impact on your confidence until you kind of know, okay, right, listen, you know, this is, this is all part of this natural stage in life that I'm going through. And then, then it's a different conversation in your head because then you understand, listen, this is natural. There's things I can do, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that's interesting is at that time, nobody was having the conversation of this is natural. And even yeah, like, first of all, I'd never heard that uh, concept of flooding. I've never, I, I kind of, we now know about brain fog and stuff like that. I can't imagine how that felt. And a word you use quite a lot at the TEDx talk is the word shame. And I'm sure you must have been ashamed. Like shame in the restaurant, shame, you know, standing at the top of a meeting that you were making a presentation that you'd spent ages preparing for and then blank. <laughs> utter blank, utter like a uh, rabbit in headlights moments. It is. I mean, and, and look, that is part of my mission. It's shattering the taboo of menopause. And a huge part of that is the shame that engulfs menopause. And I think the majority of women will say that, that there is such shame attributed to menopause. And certainly there has been in the past. So I think. What, what's the shame? Why is I, there shame? I think it's, I think it's because 
we these are things we don't discuss. We don't like if you go back to, you know, say my generation growing up even periods weren't discussed. The menstrual cycle wasn't discussed. I was given a book under my pillow. You know, sexual health wasn't discussed. Sex was mm. a taboo. You know, there was a lot of, uh, th- you know, there's a lot of topics that we talk about now that weren't openly discussed when I was growing up or, you know, certainly not in my mother's generation. And I think there's intergenerational shame too that comes down in many different guises through generations. And and menopause is is one key area of that. But what's the shame? What are we ashamed of? The fact that we can't bear children anymore? Is it, what's the shame? I think the shame, the ageing is massive. I think the fact okay. that, you know, all of a sudden there is this, there's, there is the, the menopause old, the thought. Yeah. menopause you're old menopause you're off the shelf menopause you're sell by date and that's not the case at all I mean we know that now like your 50s you know you have another 50 to go if if all goes well so mm-hmm. it, that's certainly the age part of it is huge and the other part of it is is it, it still is a private personal topic and mm-hmm. so the and if you look at many of those symptoms there's a lot of symptoms women will really struggle to talk about and they associate shame around that. We talk about vaginal dryness, if we talk about libido issues, if we talk about urinary issues, if we talk about how we feel psychologically. There's a lot of complexity in many of the symptoms of menopause and a lot of them have been linked, particularly Fanola, in our history too, intergenerationally. There's a lot of that linked with shame as well. So it's it th- there's to me, it's kind of, um, uh, there's a lot of layers to menopause, I would say. And I think really your experience of it is always for every person is going to be very, very individual. So based on your own life experience, your your own you know events that have happened to you in your life, your actual experience of menopause is going to be very different. And for some people, it may be more, associated with shame than others are that's how we think about it and when you when you silence discussion on a topic you nearly make it a shameful topic because you're not openly discussing it you know so like even i know it's fantastic we're talking about it so much now but it'll take generations to really turn the 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 tide around yes we're making progress but for real change that menopause is as normal as pregnancy that's the, there's there's a lot of years yet for that to happen can we clarify for everyone just the terms of perimenopause menopause what are the terms and what are the differences so perimenopause is basically to me i always say it's all about perimenopause because that's where it all starts. That's where the decline in the hormones starts to happen. The average age of perimenopause is 45. Now, some women can start perimenopause and they may not notice anything. The symptoms can be so subtle that they don't notice. But for others, it's those subtle symptoms start to build up over time. And that's what leads then to the culmination of the symptoms. And so the average age is 45. The average age of menopause is 51. And that simply is the anniversary of 12 months without a cycle. That's all it means. That's all it means. That's all it means. So 
and this is where there's a lot of confusion there because many times people will think menopause is a whole series of years, whereas in actual fact, it's the anniversary of 12 months. That's all it is, 12 months without a cycle. And then it's post-menopause. And post-menopause can equally be as important as perimenopause because the symptoms can still continue into post-menopause. It doesn't just end because, you know, you've hit menopause. Oh, yay, you know, the party's over. My cycles are finished. The symptoms all go away. They don't. The symptoms will start to taper off in the early post-menopause years. And post-menopause is the rest of your life, but you will have a, a period of time where the symptoms will still be quite acute. Thanks for explaining. It's really good. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is this whole subtle symptom thing, because I think that we've been conditioned to think that we watch for the hot flushes and you might never get those. I I haven't gotten them. So I was like, so I go a lot of you haven't either. No, no. Yeah. Um, you see, this is where menopause, I always say it's like the iceberg analogy. There's some of the symptoms we see above the surface, like the hot flushes, like the night sweats. But there's so much more that's happening beneath the surface that you just don't see. So you don't see, you know, for most parts, you don't see when somebody is really anxious. You don't see when somebody maybe is, is experiencing a really low mood. You might, you won't see, you know, when someone has low libido. You won't see when, you know, someone is struggling with mood changes and feelings of frustration and rage, etc. They're the parts of uh, menopause that you can see from the outside. It's only kind of by talking with someone and understanding the wide variety of symptoms of menopause that you can really get an understanding for how deep it is. Uh, it, to me, it's a deeply psychological chapter in a person's life. Now, 25% of women will go through perimenopause, menopause with no symptoms or they're so, they're so, you know, minor that they don't even realize. But conversely, on the other hand, we know that 25% will suffer severely. So it's not a foregone conclusion, but it is, it is a, it's, it is like a, it's a bit like an earthquake that's happening within your, your whole being because your, your body comes to a stage where it's literally like holding up a mirror and it's like, okay, where are we at? What's going on here? You know, what's the crack? You know, where are you? Where are you at in your life? You know, and it's then as it's inviting you to question where you're at. You know, are you in the right career? Are you happy with your lot in life? Are you looking after yourself? Are you are you prioritizing your own health? Are you, you know, taking time to look after yourself? And part of that can be you know, there's 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 a kind of a decluttering aspect that comes with menopause because it can be like that, you know, there might be aspects of your life that you realize no longer serve you. So it might be that, you know, you just change what you do things. Maybe you d decide you don't watch as much TV. Maybe you decide to bring in more exercise. It can also impact relationships, unfortunately, that can change as you go through these years. And that can be at work, outside of work, etc. So it is there's a lot happening in the menopause stage as a person goes through it. And that starts in perimenopause and does go all the way into kind of, you know, until things settle in that postmenopause stage. So it's a bit like nature's wake up call. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is because it definitely is. And I think 
for some people, they may be in a brilliant position that they can take, you know, be open to that that wake up call and be open to reassessing. For others, it may not be as deeply psychological um, a chapter, but the majority of women will say to you when they come through and things settle down that it is a reawakening. It is a whole new chapter where they come into their lives and the majority of women will always say that they feel stronger, they feel more confident, they feel just more at home in their bodies than they did before. And I think that's the unsettling stage that you have to go through as you as you go through the roller coaster of the emo- of the hormonal change that happens. I watched um, a Netflix series recently with Michelle Obama talking about she did. She just did this series recently with Oprah or this interview and talking about in your 50s being this time of wisdom of power of all of that and that it feels like this is all appropriate conversation that instead of women being relegated to being past it over the hill all the rest of it that now we're actually realizing let's embrace this wake-up call this is women at the height of their power with the height of their wisdom where we can really truly make a difference in the world now big time and a lot of times you'll hear people bring things back to the animal kingdom and I do this but I have a reason for doing it so we know that mammals there are certain mammals that go through menopause some have been studied more than others but let's take the whales as an example right we know that when the 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 female whale goes into menopause she becomes the leader of the pod and she then wow. brings that younger pod she brings the younger pods the best feeding grounds she shows them how to hunt she looks after the younger members of the of the pod but she's there as a guide she's there in all her wisdom to show them everything that she's learned to pass it down onto generations and we will you know, you'll have uh, experts out there, scientists out there who will defer to the medical kingdom for that. But I don't think we, we don't need to do that. We have it here because we know if you look, if you look at the wisdom that women have garnered by the time you get to your late 40s, early 50s, I mean, that's a lot of years. <laughs> that's a lot of kind of learnings. It's a lot of consolidation of wisdom. And I wholeheartedly, like I love um, Michelle Obama and her her way of thinking, and it, it is it, it is exactly that. It is now kind of harnessing and embracing that wisdom, and actually realizing that you know it's not this you know you're past your sell by date. It's, it's so not that because there's such a resurgence of energy that happens as you come through these years and and obviously part of that is getting a handle on the symptoms and you know kind of making sure that you're looking after yourself but there's opportunities well it reminds me of this you know because we've had uh, a culture of a predominance and a preoccupation with uh, youth being young being virile being all of these things for so many years and then maybe about 10 years ago um, Nelson Mandela set up this group called the Elders and Mary Robinson, our lovely uh, first female president here in Ireland, was uh, one of inducted into the Elders. And it's perhaps we're entering into this age where we embrace the value and the wisdom that uh, as we get older, that can be brought to the table while not diminishing the wisdom of youth also, that every person of any age has 
a beautiful voice to share in the world that's important. Not that it's either or, you know, that has no value, you know. I, I think it's, 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 we've all got something to bring at different stages. And I think like, you know, we learn so much from our youth, um, you know, so much. And I think it's, it's, it's just, it's bouncing that back and forth between, between, between everyone. So that, you know, everyone is kind of benefiting by, um, different types of wisdom that we're all picking up at different yeah. stages. But I think when it comes to menopause, like, you know, one of the, one of probably my greatest frustrations is that there tends to be a lot of doom and gloom about menopause, whereas in actual fact, you know, and I will put the caveat that, you know, it is once you get a handle on the symptoms and there's so many different ways of doing that. But once you do that, there are opportunities in menopause. And I think that's something that we've, we do need to voice that a bit more in terms of realizing that uh, this is a whole new chapter. There's a lot of good things that happen. There's a lot of your, your attention can be redirected so that you're you're focusing on different aspects of your life and the symptoms themselves might actually make you focus on crucial health aspects like like your bone health, like your cognitive health, like your heart health. And these are all stepping stones to optimum health, like when you're in your 80s, 90s, 100, you know. So I think that's a huge part of menopause to me. And even, you know, personally for me, I like I'm so I started when I was uh, uh, 44. I'm still going through it. I haven't hit menopause itself yet. I'm getting closer. Wow. So I'm 52 How now. How long then are you? I'm 52. So I oh, am. Wow, really? I'm so eight, eight years. years. Yeah, but, but menopause can be anywhere from generally four to 10, but it can go to 12 years. So I reckon I have another two, one to two, I reckon, you know. So I think that's, but remember, gradual and remember you'll have periods like it is like that roller coaster where you'll have kind of you know upheavals where it can be more challenging calmer times upheavals calmer times so it keeps you know it, it goes out of kilter as you go through all these years but I you know like I think it's for me my personal kind of goals now are all are all on the health aspects so you know looking after my cognitive health my heart health you know your um uh, bone health as well so you have that redirection that becomes more focused now because it's actually in your face because your body is maybe crying out in terms of the symptoms telling you hey listen pay a bit of attention to me here <laughs> you know yeah. you had these wonderful four key takeaways from your TEDx talk and one was find your passion, two was deepen your education, three was look for support and four was letting go. I am making a presumption and I shouldn't make a presumption or maybe I'll just ask it as a question. In your first step, which was finding your passion, is this what led you to having your own business then? Is this when you left corporate life? Powerful. How did that happen? <laughs> I think I just, it was like, you know, just one of those moments where you just kind of realize I'd always, always been interested in health and well-being, always, since I was a young child, always been interested. And so I think it was, it was that, that's, that was one of my changes. It was like one of my kind of mirror being held up, you know, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? And mm. it was just kind of like, okay, I want to do something different. 
So I had gone back to college previously for four years and um, it was then I basically said, right, okay, listen, I've had an amazing career and I had an absolute amazing career in the bank and I, I did love it. I, I still have amazing friends, um, you know, that I've met through working in London, New York, all over the place. Um, you know, so, and I think my years in investment banking were kind of, in a way, they were like a launch pad to where I am now. And I, because I learned a lot of skills through my career that just became so readily transferable to what I do now. But my passion was in kind of like, oh my God, nobody's talking about this. Someone's got to talk about it. So I started blogging about it and it kind of went from there. And then... Um, and were you still working when you were blogging? No, no, no. I, I left. No, I'd left the bank at that stage and then I was blogging. And then people started to ask me, you know, for um, for help, for one to one help. And then also workplaces asked me to come in. So it kind of gradually uh, went from one thing to the other. And I quickly found I loved it. I absolutely and I still do. I still do love it. Um, I love what I do. I love working with people. And, uh, you know, my passion, my passion is to help people. And I'm very, very lucky that my job allows me to do that on a daily basis. So it, it, Wellness Warrior was... That was my question. Why is it called Wellness Warrior? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, that's a good story now. So <laughs> it is called that because wellness was my passion. But where it really came from is a combination of two things. One was wellness was my passion. The second was my dad used to call me a warrior. And there was a reason for that. So when I was born, Fanula, I was born with the cord four times around my neck and I nearly died. It was, I was very lucky to survive. But what happened as a result of that, I ended up with a huge clump of mangled veins for all intents and purposes on my leg. And um, um, it was, yeah, I, I, I was very lucky that I, I survived. But what it, what it meant with my leg that carried throughout my life. So particularly when I used to get my periods every month, my mother used to have to strap my leg up as I got older because the veins would literally just fall down, like really sore, really tender. So she'd bandage my leg up for the few days every month when it got worse because they couldn't operate on me until I was, my first operation was 18. Um, so I had my first operation done at 18 and before that happened, we had been on holidays away and I was in a bikini. I was so conscious of my leg, so, so conscious. And I stood up or something and there was girls pointing at my leg behind me on a beach. And my dad took me off. God, when I think about it, I'm actually well not, but my dad took me off for a walk and we went and we got a Coke. And I was so upset about it because, I, you know, I was at that stage, you know, I was a teenager. You're very conscious, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and he, I remember him saying, you know, he was like saying, you're such a warrior, you're such a warrior. And he used to say that to me, you know, the whole time. And then when I had my first operation, oh my God, it was, my leg was in bits. And my, my poor dad, my poor dad went pale when, uh, when I took off the bandages because I was like a patchwork quilt. Um, but I've had two operations on it since, so it's not as it's not as bad. But so, so the wellness came very much from that and then the warrior came from the other. So I coined the two Useful. together. And I also, I also, so very much, yeah. I mean, I, I learned a huge amount from 
my parents were very entrepreneurial so um you know it was a, it was a nice mix and i think also also you know i kind of didn't want in ways like I love all aspects of women's health. So whilst I'm known for menopause, I do talk about other aspects of women's health as well, you know, about uh, periods, you know, fertility, things like that. So it, it works. And there are times where I've thought about should it just be Catherine O'Keefe? <laughs> but anyway, but I love it. And so it's Wellness Warrior Limited. It's honouring your dad too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lovely, really lovely. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey in terms of highs and lows or big insights into embarking into this new space of Wellness Warrior. How long are you in business now, Catherine? Uh, 2018. What what year are we in? Okay. Five years. Yeah, just over five years. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah thank yeah. you. <laughs> What's a high and a low, a high and a low point? Hmm. Well, um, building a business is definitely <laughs> that takes time. Yeah, and I think I think the initial uh, initial year or two when it was very much just me on my own, that was that hmm. was hard. You know, that was hard going because you didn't really. You know, it's just yourself <laughs> other than me, you know, yeah. talking to my husband and stuff about it, you know, the highs, uh, there's several highs for me. I think I've been very, I've been really blessed. I think I work with, you know, I have fabulous people who work with me. Um, I think, you know, doing the Menopause Success Summit has always been a huge high because you just see firsthand what it does to hundreds of women in a room and just how much they get out of it. And that's always been, you know, uh, that impact. that's just, yeah, the impact of that is humbling, I would say. Um, yeah. There's another thing I wanted to ask you about. Oh, the book. Yes, we'll talk about it in a second. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned, so while kind of in the general female population, we're needing to kind of spread the word, demystify all of that good stuff. You started working with other communities where it's actually even more challenging. So while we feel challenged by lack of information, which is clearly improving and we're and women are definitely talking about it more, it's not the case in every community. No, no. And like, you know, I always say that, that, you know, the, the, the settled community whilst the awareness is growing and growing fast, if we go to the unsettled community, the traveling community, it's far more challenging, far more challenging in terms of, you know, awareness is one aspect of it. And uh, just the support part of it would be heavily lacking, you know, so um, it's 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 a complete different kettle of fish to, uh, you know, to what my own personal experience would be completely different. And certainly the psychological aspects would be far more intense, uh, you know, for women in the traveling community than um, it would be, you know, generally. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just I, I am saying that as general, but that would be yeah. the, 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 the kind of findings. Why, why is that the case that it's tougher in the traveling community? Or can I ask? I think, look, if you if you look at it, there's there's many aspects that come into play there. You know, there really is. You're 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 talking about, you know, relationships. Uh, you're just the lack of support. 
Um, yeah, it's it's multifactorial, but but for sure, the psychological aspects are deeply, deeply challenging. You know. Okay, I'll honor that as let's give that voice and just to recognize it. But perhaps we should be calling for more support there. Like, as you say, as you say, it's where our exposure and communication about menopause in the settled community is clearly fast, but we are, it's not good enough. It, every community has to be reached. Big time. And it's not just like, I, you know, given the example there, the traveling community, but, you know, it's even, you know, uh, mar- other marginalized groups, you know, um, uh, the black women, Korja community, there's loads of other communities that need to have the support, you know, and plus, particularly if we look at the the variations that you can experience in menopause symptoms, um, you know, can, will be different based on your ethnic background as well. So all of those things really have to be listened to and they have to be taken on you know, they have to be just listened to and supported so that it's not that you're going to be fobbed off at any door that you you do um, get through, but that you're actually going to be supported for you as an individual. Because depending on my ethnic background, I could have a very different experience, particularly of some of the very physical symptoms of menopause than somebody else. So that individual experience is hugely, hugely important. Thank you for highlighting that, um, Catherine. Is there anything you'd like to leave people walk away with today? Don't be afraid of menopause. <laughs> you know, I think I, 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 you know, I would say there I see a lot of overwhelm. I see a lot of fear out there at the moment. And what I would say is that w- educate yourself once you have a good understanding of what the symptoms of menopause are, of what they could be, then it means that when you start to experience symptoms that you know what's happening. And that already is a huge relief because you won't be questioning what's going on. You'll actually realize, oh, okay, I'm starting perimenopause. So, you know, I'm aware of this, I'm educated, I know what could happen. And then also inform yourself about what the management options are so that you know what options are open to you. And just again, just bear in mind is that every single one of us will pick different support tools as we go through these years. I always kind of say it's, you know, develop your own personal menopause toolkit, whatever that is for you. And, you know, one very important part of that is that personal toolkit. And we must be very respectful of the fact that we will all have individual freedom of choice here because we it's not that every woman should take herbs. It's not that every woman should take HRT. It's not that every woman should do acupuncture. It is individual. It is what you as a woman feel will support you the best. And I think we just all have to honour and respect each other's decisions when it comes to that treatment choice. And that's hugely, hugely important. And I think very important in Ireland at the moment because our conversation is becoming a little bit, well, not a little bit, our conversation is quite tilted. So we need to be careful that, that, that we really keep in our frame, you know, the individual nature of menopause. I'd, I'd love to ask one more thing before you leave, and that is, in this idea of educating ourselves about symptoms, can we just talk about the symptoms, just even state the symptoms here? Because for me, 
I was watching the women around me who were much younger than me experience all these hot flushes and all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't having any of that. And my symptoms were and I think I'm only coming to terms with the symptoms now because I did just start HRT. It has just been six or seven weeks and I'm only now seeing Oh, that's gone because the symptoms are so subtle that I didn't realize that I had them. Yeah. And I'd say since last Friday, (laughs) I would say. (laughs) So if you could share perhaps symptoms so that people know what to look for. Yeah, I think what we'll do is maybe if you can in your show notes, maybe you can put a link to Symptom Checker because uh, I'd have to be be going very fast here because in my Symptom Checker, there's there's 50 symptoms. (laughs) Fantastic. We'd be delighted to do that. Delighted to do that. What I would say is just, you know, the psychological are definitely those you want to be very aware of, you know, the rage, the frustration, the sleep issues, the libido, the, the impact, the changing moods that can happen, etc. And then you move on to the, the physical, which goes from headaches, migraines, um, skin changes. Oh, my God, we, ha- we could do a whole podcast, Nola, on, on dryness in menopause because it's such an issue. Dryness internally, the digestive system, the vaginal dryness and also dryness in the skin. Very, very big. You have aches and pains, you have the whole, all the symptoms of the pelvic area, which are, there's probably about 15, 20 symptoms there alone. So really Mm. understanding what the symptoms are, are very powerful. And then I think, you know, that really is the gateway to, you know, understanding, okay, well, this is what can happen in perimenopause. But then the other thing I would say is, you know, don't just, don't blame menopause for everything. That's another important point because perimenopause you could have other symptoms you could have symptoms that look like perimenopause but it could be your thyroid it could be your b12 it could be iron deficiency so it's always good to kind of make sure you're checking in with your doctor and just making sure there isn't any other underlying condition but one thing just to mention too is that we often we're looking life is busy we're juggling a lot there's a lot of stress for many people and often Poor menopause gets the blame for all of this or for a lot of things. Mm. And I think we've also got to be conscious of the fact that, you know, menopause for the majority of people is going to come along most probably in a time in your life when you're busy, when you're going to, you know, you're going to the sandwich years. You've got like kids growing up. You could have aging parents. You could be juggling all of that. You've got work, life, etc. And then menopause is sprinkled on top. And that becomes quite challenging. So, you know, and that's where, you know, in many cases, menopause will get a bad press. But we've also got to bear in mind that life, it's life too. It's not just menopause. Mm. It's everything that's going on in your life. If you're under a huge amount of stress, your menopause symptoms, chances are, are going to be more challenging. So what you have to do is you've got to, you know, you, you can put a plaster on it for so long, but at some point, you've got to deal with the root cause. You've got to deal with the stress. And it's, it's, it's the number one issue that I see time, coming up time and time again with women is stress. And that's why when I wrote my book, All You, Want, All you Need to Know About Menopause, I talked a lot about the psychological, but I also talk a lot about stress because I think sometimes we, we, we are aware of them, but we don't connect them in terms of how impactful they are as you go through the the menopause years. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Catherine, check her out on LinkedIn or take a look at her book, All You Need to Know About the Menopause. There's a direct link to it in the show notes. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? Send me a message and I'll see you next time.